Hi Sparklers, this is Amy. I had a few audio issues in this episode where my mic cut in and out. I am working to correct this on future episodes. Thanks for listening and for all of your support. So let's let's just do it. Yay. Yay. Well, hello. Welcome to episode hello. six. I can't believe it. I know. I am super duper excited. Today, uh, today Melanie and I are going to uh, talk with you about our experience last weekend. Uh, we went to see the Spark Show live. In spark Chicago. Show, Spark Show, Spark Show last Saturday oh. night. There was a Spark Show. <laughs> It was really, really oh, it was so good. And so obviously we both have a lot of opinions and things we want to share. Oh, I am still like thinking about it. it. It was just a really darn good show. I have to say, you know, I mean, look, I've been fortunate enough to see that three times on this tour. I might have thought to myself, can I go to Helsinki? Can I go to <laughs> Lithuania? How how much would flights from LA to Lithuania? Like, wouldn't it be nice to bookend first show, last show? Yes, it would. Mm. Yeah, last time we talked, you were talking about go to Lithuania. Going, like, could I make the show in Lithuania? Well, that's their last gig. It would be so fun. Like, it really would be. But no, you never know. Let's not count it out. Don't count it out. Special Sparks and Sparkles goes goes international, live in Vilnius. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it was just wonderful. Um, well, yeah, let's get to our sparkles today. Okay. What you, I know you had to do a last minute dash out. Yes, get... this entire week has been completely insane. Um, so I just ran around the corner. I live around the corner from a co-op. So everything you get there is, you know, it's a little bit different from what you might get in the the normal shop. So today I have a prosecco called Cana Pelage. Pelage. Oh, nice! I don't know what that means. Is it an L or an I? I think it's an L. Hmm. It looks like an L. What? It's a brute. Oh, and Brain. it's brute. It's Excellent. a superiore. So let's let's crack that yeah. paper open. Open. So here's what I have to drink today. I'm going to show it to you. Bubbles. Oh, Oregon. They are just no. Oh, sorry. Excuse me, Oregon. Oregon. Forgive me, listeners in Oregon. Uh, I know it's Oregon, not a god. Um, because I it spent. Is? It West is. Coast. Yeah. The reason I know, of course, is because I sent. I spent a summer selling books door to door just outside of Portland. Don't recommend it. That's a long and very interesting story, but we will save it for a different time. Let's just say and it was a different time in the world back when people purchased books. Yes. Yes. We were selling study guides. They weren't encyclopedias. They were study guides. Totally, <laughs> totally not at all encyclopedias. Well, and is, so, so my, I'm excited to try this. I don't know how it'll be. Um, I'm going to pop open, crack open the top. The top, the top. That's <laughs> the word you're looking for. I'm going to open this. Let's see if it opens easily. Fucking better. 
It better, baby. I decided today to just upgrade to a regular wine glass because those other glasses are so small. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> but you can feel like you're not drinking that much. You know, you can feel. Why are champagne Why glasses? I wouldn't want to feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Why are champagne glasses smaller? This is a question that I would mm. like answered, listeners. If you know, write us at Sparks and Sparkles headquarters. <laughs> We'd love to know. I have to say, oh, look, oh, oh. My cup runneth over is what I think. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty, pretty tasty. It's a little sweet like a Prosecco, but it's not bad. And of okay. course, you, you know... Would you like to smell the cap? (laughs) Yes. Those of you who might be familiar with the wonderful 1979 uh, Muppet movie will remember Steve Martin. Would you like to smell the bottle cap? (laughs) Oh, could we get some straws? I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, Morty, what do you got? Oh, so good. Oh, man, we should just do an episode about the Muppet movie. It is such a wonderful, every every moment is wonderful for me. I agree. I agree. Well, this is quite nice, actually. I had a feeling it might be. You know, the the cop does some pretty good stuff. If you're ever in Santa Monica and And you want... Is it from Italy or from... uh, It's from Italy. Italy. Um, Did I ever tell you about the time I was in Italy with my wonderful friend, Joe and we drank like six bottles of Prosecco over the course of a fantastic evening. I have to say, it was a long time we hadn't seen each other for, for for many many months. Um, but I just I love how many of your stories end up with that. <laughs> end up with that, and then we drank a lot of wine. Well, there's a reason I really wanted to do this podcast. <laughs> um, around bottle three we realized we were running low. I, of course, volunteered to go up the Prosecco stacks. And I don't speak any Italian at all. So my dad quite sweetly thinks I can speak like seven languages. This is completely untrue. But my mother's actually stopped correcting him, which I'm kind of Aww. okay. It's good to have that rep. Anyway. Molio um, Prosecco. <laughs> I, went, I went into this deli. Amazingly, um, an entire, it was not my fault. I want to be very clear on this. An entire um, bottle of tomato sauce broke while I was in the shop and landed on my shoes. It was kind of fine. I, I considered it a souvenir of Italy. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was trying to explain myself because I also wanted to get some very tasty mozzarella and um, some, I think it's Parma ham, maybe. I, and I, I just didn't know what to say. So the woman behind the counter, I just remember went, turisti. And I went, yes, that word I knew. That word I definitely knew. Turisti. See. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I bet she gave you some good shit. She did. She did. The next day. And the following day, the two of us drank like a half bottle of Prosecco between the two of us. Like we really (laughs) front loaded on that trip, but it was really fun. Well, um, so I'm not wearing any sparkles today, but I am wearing the uh, outfit that I wore to the Sparks concert. So I could feel like I was back there. Um, How about you? What do you got on today? I have a little bit of spark. 
I don't know if this really counts, sure. but um, yeah, this is uh, my sweat. Maybe I should be wearing it like this. It's very uh, that would be very cool. Um, but uh, that's that's my sparkle for today. Wait, so so Melanie flew to Chicago last week to spend some time with her family, and then uh, when you it showed up at my house on Saturday and said, to quote, I drank an heroic amount of wine last night. I did. I did. <laughs> and it was with your family, which was great. Yes, there was lots of merrymaking. It was quite enjoyable. Um, we are a very loud, festive crew. Actually. <laughs> so it was really enjoyable. I was a little bit subdued the following day, but I was still you know in fine form oh i just noticed this bottle has like a lovely you probably can't see it but it's got a lovely little bird there's two little yeah birds. it's like um not embossed the opposite of a dog yeah a classy little that, bird nice. that is classy that's nice classy. um but yes yeah, so i was not um ready to throw down tons and tons of sparkles i hope i wasn't a downer i don't think I was. no not at all i mean we look we both took a disco nap and then then we decided that we were going to watch the movie Annette. Yes. Which we also want to talk about. Woof, I'm so excited to talk about Annette with you. Me too. Um, it was, so we decided to pre-show watch Annette. Now, if I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't have made that choice, but it was, it was very good. And um, yeah, like, I don't even know where to start with this. One. Well, I almost think like, what was that? I said it depressed the shit out of me. <laughs> like all good movies by French directors might do. I, I did feel impacted by it. So I thought that. about it a lot this week. Um, the funny thing is it didn't depress me at all. Like I instantly loved it. I was like, this is great. This is so bizarre. Was it dark? Yeah, I would say definitely. It was rather in a way it is uh, i'm thinking a pretty literal way <laughs> oh yes yeah i guess so yeah okay. but i think that's what actually caught me off guard like i you know we were like ready for the for the show we were yes you know watch a movie on a saturday afternoon and it starts off you know so maybe start that opening scene is really fun and you know self-referential and yes. uh, you know it just it it definitely um ends a good tune of course uh, yes. which they also open the show with um but it, it just i will say that that opening scene is not reflective of uh the rest of the movie uh yeah although i, I i'm gonna go on a detour but only for a minute this week i've been a little obsessed with the song change by sparks i don't know if you know this one it's not ringing a bell but keep going it's um it's on music that you can dance to, but it's sometimes replaced by, I want to say Armies of the Night, and I am, there's probably someone out there who's like, no, that's not it. But anyway, it's not on all versions of music that you can dance to, but I really like it. It's um, a song that like, it kind of starts from a very like, oh, the rain is falling down, but wait, there's a rainbow over the freeway. Um, anyway, my reason for mentioning that is because that song is what, 36 years old now? And I was thinking about how far Sparks have come from the time they wrote that song to now. And my point is, 
you know, Annette is, it's, it's real cinema. Um, it's, like, yeah. it's like that scene yeah. in Boogie Nights, if you've ever seen Boogie Nights, when uh, Jack Horner's showing first um, film and he's like, and, and his director goes, this is a real film, Jack. It's a real film. Uh, Annette is, is real, you know, art cinema. And so I feel like it is very sparks, but it's also a different medium. So this kind of comes back to what you were expecting. I think Sparks brings a whimsy to a lot of what they do. They bring, again, so much joy. And I think that is actually in a net, but it's, it's coming out in a completely different way. And yes, uh, there's a lot of darkness in that film too. <laughs> I kept, there was part of me because, um, so the, uh, first of all, spoiler alert. So the main character, Henry, is a stand-up comedian and he's got a very... Um, like, um, but I don't know how you would describe his, his set, his monologues, very, it's interesting, but. White male, so, straight white male. That's just, <laughs> I, no, it's creative. I mean, it's definitely creative and arty. I love that he's called the ape of God. That's so sparks. Uh -huh. um, so it, um, as, as the movie progresses, you're kind of thinking act, beginning of act two, where things start to devolve. He's um, getting a lot of pushback from the audience and people are booing him and and he he goes on this like like attack to the audience um like I want to like murder the audience and I just kept thinking you know that old meme that was kitten thinks of nothing but murder <laughs> that's what I feel like like that like I felt like that scene was kind of what's really going on inside Ron Mel's head. Sometimes, like, not so, all the time. Sometimes, but he's willing to like share that and yes. share that. Really Open the heart. Dark... Here it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I just was like, Ron Miles thinks of nothing but murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline from this episode we we love sparks and also ron mail thinks of nothing but murder we know it that's actually i know that's not true of course hey so what i'm glad you said that because what do they say and uh so may we may we start if you want us to kill we may agree so exhibit a male brothers well and also like they i mean they have performed and created for so long and have had such different points in their career. Like everybody, all of us want to tell somebody to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you have performed on stage. Um, I've performed on stage and also as a teacher, like you, you, are, when you perform for a group in any way, whatever you're doing, you know, sometimes that's a really wonderful experience and you really just feel this joy and love and it's amazing. And other times, <laughs> I remember once when I was teaching in London, one of my colleagues came back into the staff room and said, you know, those fuckers better get their shit together or I am gonna lose it. Sometimes you just really get annoyed. Yeah. Uh, with the group that you're working with because you're you're not getting anything from them they seem hostile i personally think it always comes from you and and your frame of mind um and and sometimes you just have off nights but yeah they're probably have been nice when uh they've got off stage and thought yeah and i think you know even us we're uh, have this podcast and we you know we've said like the intention of this is not to to um like be 
the intention is to be critical, but in a good way, like, like critically think and share our feelings and how we feel impacted by something. And we enjoy that because we really enjoy the music, but when you're making the music, when you're making the piece of art or making the film, sometimes you just don't want to hear it. Like most of us at our job, we just don't want to hear it that somebody didn't like how we did the presentation or yes. that we had a student who didn't, you know, agree with, with something. It's, and so I, so I, I think about that, like, yeah, no, I would think about murdering the audience every once in a while too. It must be quite a, quite a relief. <laughs> I've been a little bit also obsessed with um, We Love Each Other So Much by Annette. That is seeping into my brain. I'm starting to decide that might be one of the best songs Sparks has ever written. It's just so good. It is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And they performed it as well. Um, yes, Russell sang it, it and it was- ugh. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, yeah. it really is. But um, the other I, one, oh, sorry, go ahead. No. The other one I've been listening to a lot from Annette is um, actually Henry McHenry's um hating the audience song <laughs> and, yeah, it's and so good. do you think i care which you know it's yeah look i did this for you do you think i care i don't care fuck you you know yeah it it, it hit a lot of hit a lot of notes and i kept thinking this week like do i like this movie <laughs> like ah. do i like it but i will say i don't know but I definitely, it, it was a movie I thought of afterwards. And there were moments during the movie that I got really excited about some stuff. Mm. Um, so like, I will say, uh, before I forget, I don't want to forget to say this, but um, I think his name is Adam Hel Helberg. He is uh, the actor who played the, the, the composer, the conductor. Yes, the conductor. I thought his performance was fucking outstanding I have to say great. I thought it was so so good there is a scene in it when in which he's conducting and there's a you know the camera is going around him and he's speaking a monologue in which he starts crying during the monologue but he's still conducting and I was so blown away by that because I think I turned to you and said like hey that guy actually knows how to conduct because so often in movies you see actors who you know have studied maybe the conducting movements but it's not, it just isn't, as a musician, it's just not real. But where he, the way he conducted, it, I could tell he was, he's a trained musician because the way he conducted is how a conductor conducts, meaning that there, he's physically conveying certain things to the musicians, certain points to come in and certain places to be more legato, you know, versus punching up. And I think that unless you're an actual, like, unless you had to do it or, been in that environment it's really hard to act like a conductor but he just was I mean because he was really conducting and then just giving this amazing monologue I was blown away by his performance and my question is who was the stickler who um <laughs> because he is an actor I believe he was on the big bang theory yeah yep. um who was the stickler who was like, you're going to have to learn how to conduct or maybe it was him. Maybe he wanted. I to don't do think I don't, I think he's a musician. I, I, I don't think that there was a learning for this film. I think he I don't know anything about the guy. I should have researched before I mentioned it, but that that didn't look like that looked like he actually knew what he was doing because even in the so maybe we start, I think he pulls out some drum sticks and he's, he's actually like kind of drumming correctly. Not like if I were to drum 
maybe, maybe that's how he got the role. But from what yeah. I know about acting, um, you know, I am not personally an actor, but I know some professional actors. And it is true that, you know, if they take on a certain role, sometimes they get the role because of some of the skills they have, or they are willing to go out and learn oh, sure. something that they're going to then bring into the Absolutely. question. Hmm. Yeah, I, don't know. I just thought he was great. I really, I thought all the performances were very strong. I really did. How about you? Like what, uh, do you like this movie? Oh yeah, I, I love it. I, I definitely want to see it again. I mean, the thing is, I am a, I'm a film geek. I, I really love uh, going to the cinema. I, I just love the whole experience. Actually, when I was at university, I, up until my final semester, I was undecided whether I was going to have a film major or um, communication studies. It was just the track um, at our university. And I, I love to this day going to see different films. I thought to myself, because of course we were watching it um, in a in a living room on a smaller screen. I thought to myself, man, I would love to see this in a in a. Yeah. I think the experience would be just amazing because it is so vu- visually beautiful. Um, <clears throat> I I do like it. I actually really love the weirdness of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, though interesting. You know. Um, yes. Sorry. Please. Please go ahead. No, I mean that that that's just what I would say. It, it is kind of a it, it feels to me like well done boys. I'm so proud of you. You know, like I know they love film. Um they obviously we all know UCLA film. They spent some time there. They they tried to do their stuff with Jacques Tati. Um <clears throat> so and of course my the psychic girl, which you know, I'm gonna tell you, I think they're still trying to make that happen. I know it's been 30 years in development hell. But I really think they're still trying to make it happen. That's just if anyone just can. Saying, just saying, I don't can. think they've given up on it completely. And, <laughs> and fingers crossed. Um, but it was very, it was unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. It was a powerful story. Um, I didn't like Adam Driver's character, of course, but you know, that's fine. You don't have to like every character in a film. I, I do mean, love the absolute bonkersness and creativity of having a wooden marionette play the child uh for most of the film that actually i found to be quite brilliant and really well so well done it was impactful it really it was really impactful and i thought so interesting too because yeah you can do a lot of different things with a not live baby (laughs) yes Oh, well, Leo Carex is an interesting guy. He's a he's a French director. He's the guy who's on When You're a French Director on Hippopotamus with Sparks. Um, he allegedly is a longtime Sparks fan who once upon a time when he was a, a broke young person shoplifted a copy of Indiscreet. Um, he caught Sparks' attention I, I don't know if this was before or after because I don't have all my dates. Um, but for his film, Holy Motors, which I really would like to see, he used uh, How You're Getting Home in uh, part of that movie. So I think, you know, once again, kind of like Edgar, there's a connection in the Sparks verse with <laughs> Leo Carax. There were a couple of things that I think impacted me the most. The, the, and the first is like the dark, piece and I really did feel very impacted by watching Adam 
driver's character, driver, driver, sorry. Driver, um, driver. driver. Hardest working man in showbiz. He's been in tons <laughs> of stuff for the past couple of years. Uh, great performance. I mean, again, other performances great. are wonderful. Um, but I will say like one of the things that really impacted me about the performance is it is such a, like a, it's very, I mean, operatic, like a doomed lover's story, but kind of like with Carmen or some other shows or some other classical opera narratives, the, the, the being doomed was a result of his actions. And that, spoiler alert, I mean, he, he, you see this character who is quite loving and charming and loves this you know, woman and loves his child, but starts to hit some challenges in his career and the alcohol become like it, it was just, I don't know, it really hit me to see, kind of hit a little close to home that uh, you know, a character who is loving, but yet once they, when they get drunk, they get violent. And it, to me, it was, it was so, it was, you know, it was very much artistically done and the scene on the boat, you know, it's, it's very theatrical. It looks like you're sitting in a theater. Like it, I loved that it would purposely didn't make it look too real. They were trying, you know, it was very, when I say theatrical, I mean like uh, live theater, but it made me really sad. It made me really sad to see this character who, whose violence was nothing but a result of alcohol, not nothing, but a big result of alcohol and you see his character kind of devolve into a bit of a monster yes I think. definitely you do and you could really if we wanted to go all arty and once again i feel like i need to see it again and really get down and dirty on it but <laughs> you can see that right at the beginning of the film because um marianne cotillard's character she her our first shot of her is she's drinking uh water and eating an apple like she's clearly <laughs> kind of like a healthy pure mm -hmm. person then of course she's doing opera which you know i'm not a big opera fan sorry ron you might convince me i really enjoyed uh annette so you know maybe one day and i do like some uh opera but i feel like opera itself is um it's almost ethereal and otherworldly. So she's got this quality of already being kind of not of this world, which Annette does too. Mm -hmm. um, where Henry, he's the ape, right? <laughs> it's almost mm -hmm. like the id and the super ego. So I feel like her character ascends to some extent. She becomes an angel and then Henry just becomes this devil. He just devolves and becomes worse and worse. Uh, so yes, I, I, I see that. Um, and I do understand why it hit close to home as I have a drink, you know, although I've never been violent as a, as a drink. <laughs> no, I've never killed my wife on a boat. I've never killed my wife on a boat. He didn't um, kill her. He just was by just dancing. We were just dancing. All right. His um, actions ended her life. Well, I so a couple of the things. Speaking of the opera piece, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. First of all, I thought that um, I thought that the singer that they had doing the classical singing part sounded amazing, beautiful, beautiful. And I would really love it if Ron Maya would just write an opera please because it's really hard to have lyrical beautiful there modern operas typically aren't lyrical and beautiful and i think the world needs that so 
Um, How do we know he hasn't written 50 of them that he doesn't think are good enough? We don't. Good point. I think it's good enough. So I really loved uh, that part of the music. I thought there were some really lovely moments like when she's on stage and the state, she's got that like white sort of nightgown shift kind of thing. And, um, you know, you see her and she turns around and rather than her looking... When I when she did this, when she turns around to go like start singing upstage to Melanie, I was like, she wouldn't be singing upstage. She needs to sing downstage. You can't hear her. She's upstage. But but then it, it kind of has her walking out of the stage and into an actual real forest, which I thought was really beautiful. And then she turns around and sees the audience again, and I really loved that. And I also loved um, there's a scene where. I think she's like driving. I can't remember if it's like she's driving or he's driving. And they kind of have this montage of pictures of her um, playing different characters, operatic characters. Yes. And I pointed this out to Melanie. I said, they're all characters who diet. They're all women who die at the end of the opera. And so I think, um, I was just going to look at my notes because I jotted it down. I think you see her getting like her as Carmen, who Carmen is stabbed by her lover. Um, you see her, I think as a Violetta, it could have been me, but I think Violetta with consumption, she's spitting up blood. Um, you, I, you see her as Madame Butterfly doing the, um, uh, who, 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 sepul, sepul, sepulchu, the kill, you know, honorable killing of oneself. And so I wrote a book in college called Opera and the Undoing of Women. And it really did, you know, it, it, it was written in the seventies, but it, it really did kind of highlight and talk about this this narrative of uh women in dramatic operas having to die at the end typically they're not squeaky clean women you know there are Mimi was a seamstress or Violetta was a a courtesan or you know it's really broad but um I thought that that was very interesting parallel that they highlighted those characters who die um, for the sake of the drama and and really had this character who dies for the sake of the drama um, as as well. So I, I found that just really, really interesting. Um, so you see her, uh, the, the Anne character, <clears throat> first in this first opera, but then you like her career is building and you see her in like different costumes then. Yes. What I liked then was the parallel between the Annette and her first performance live performance she's wearing like a little white like nightgown and I loved that it was like a parallel between what the mother's costumes were and then this child's costumes because you see them go through a similar color scheme I think they go through a blue dress and then um the baby was a red dress I just I thought that was all really really neat and I guess that brings it for, for me this brings it me to what do I think the point of the movie was for me and I guess for me the point was that Annette is breaking free of this cycle um you know breaking free of the cycle Mm. of dying I mean she's a child of course she's a child and the the movie ends she's still a child of course I kept thinking like oh my god this kid needs so much therapy but for me this was the part that I kept trying to think like what are they trying to say I get the parallel with the heroines and opera and death and and having to die but what does this mean for this child does it mean like this next generation and as we evolve and go past me too and blah 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 that 
we are starting to lift that weight on women. I don't know. Some thoughts. Just Interesting. I feel, like, brain. I feel like once again, because we were watching it before the show, I, I want to watch that ending again. It was a very powerful ending, but I just know I did not get the full impact of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they're saying like, he's saying like, what can I just love you? And she rejects his love. Like to me, that's why I was saying is, is I think the message for me is that it's finally a woman who's love and saying, no, you can't love me. I don't love you. You can't love me. Uh, I don't know. I also, you know, it's funny you say that because I do really love that Super Bowl scene. It's just like so twisted and weird. You've got it's the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, that's um, how he ends up in jail. Like they're gonna oh, do one that's right. final. I had to leave the room and put on the stress, but I had to leave the room because I was really depressed. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know. I don't know. It didn't depress me at all. I can totally see why it depressed you. I'm I'm really fine watching something that's quite dark yeah. most of the time. Um, and also to me, it seems so staged. It seems so obviously not real. Yeah. It's very easy for me to to be able to watch it and enjoy it and see that this wasn't gonna end well for anyone, which I kind of knew based on we love each other so much on its own um <laughs> I, I was like oh it's a montage of a bunch of operatic characters dying is that foreshadowing <laughs> what's going to happen um but, but interestingly i did find i felt like the movie got more and more realistic the realism became more and more true throughout the movie by the end mm. you have this jailhouse scene the puppet spoiler becomes real Adam Driver doesn't, I mean, his character is sort of lost everything. You're in a jailhouse. It's really dim. Yeah. It, it, I, it, God damn it. The more I think about this movie, the more I think it's pretty amazing. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a Disney movie that recently came out called Turning Orange. Have you heard of it? No. I think it's called Turning Orange. It's really good. If you have Disney Plus, I really recommend it. Um, it's about a young girl whose family, um, the women in the family, turn into orange pandas. Um, it's uh, <laughs> a, around puberty time, is what I will tell you. It has had a lot of controversy, but what I will tell you is You that, mean when they start menstruating? <laughs> yes, which the, the script was written by women, and... Um, the, she does get her first period and has an embarrassing mom bringing her pads to school moment. Um, the, I think it's adorable. But the reason I bring it up is because when I was in Chicago, my mom started telling me about it because apparently she had shown it to my, she'd watched it with my nieces and nephews who are seven and eight. And she was clearly, here's what was interesting about that. She was clearly feeling like she might have somehow traumatized them or shown them something that was somehow inappropriate, but she kept talking about it. She kept talking about it. She was clearly thinking about it. She'd looked it up. She'd read about it. And I pointed that out because I believe that's what great art does. Great art it does. gets under your skin. You think about it. Your, yeah. your first reaction you might not be, um, positive but it stays with you you're thinking about it and honestly many artists 
they they don't care. They just want you to have a reaction of some type. They, um, <clears throat> so I watched it with her because she wanted me to watch it. So again, and I said, actually, I think this is charming. I think it's really nice. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because what you're saying kind of reminds me of that. Like she, when she initially told me about it, clearly was very negative about this film. I think she's still <laughs> not like its number one fan, but watching it again with me, she did say, okay, yeah, I guess it's it's all right as, as a movie. So I think that's what good storytelling does. I, I yeah. think it will provoke a reaction from you. It's, it's not always a positive reaction, but if it stays with you and you're thinking about it, it has done something. Absolutely. Well, this movie did it now. No, then I, we washed away we washed it away. We got ready for the Sparks concert. Drum roll. Oh, it was so fucking good. It was great. It was so, great. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. What were some of your favorite moments about the show in Chicago? You know, one of the things that was really amazing to me was that I actually thought the band sounded better than That's they did said. in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And that is really saying something, you know, I, after the show, as you know, I texted my husband to say, I thought they were really good. My favorite show that I've seen so far still is February 8th. That probably just was because I was so close and I was able to dance. Yeah. Um, but when I texted that to my husband, he wrote back, oh, so I saw the shit performance and I was like, okay. This is like, can, can Sparks have a ship performance? Of course, any band can, but guess what? We're probably not going to see it. They will, you know, they, they're such perfectionists and they're such professionals and they're such veterans that I don't think they're going to perform at all if they do not think they're ready to perform. I think they would, if they could, if, if they could without losing money mind you um they'll they will postpone the date um yeah i mean that's the thing like because we, we came home and we started we were watching videos now like mm -hmm, a bunch mm -hmm. of 70s live shows and um so i one of one of the things i i thought was amazing watching russell Miles perform was fantastic and yes. he has that very rare ability, I think, to always be in the moment, in the character, in the lyric. Um, you know, I, I believe him when he's saying and singing even kind of ridiculous stuff. He is in the moment of performance. I never feel like he's checking out. I never feel like he's thinking about like, all right, 10 more minutes and then we're gonna go back to the hotel and eat, I don't know, salad. I don't know what they eat. Um, I never feel that. I always feel like it's really in, in the performance. And I felt that on that show. Yeah. You know, here's something I'm really curious about. And I would love to hear from performers who have gone on tour because they have a very clear set list. They're doing the same set list every night. What's it like to do the exact same songs again and again, night after night for a period of time? Is it enjoyable? Well, let me tell you about Is it boring? I don't when know. I did 30 performances of Pirates of Penzance at the Ingersoll Dinner Theater when I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> I, obviously, I've never been on tour, but, but I have done, you know, shows. And I think if, if you really know the material, then 
I always felt like I was looking for that nuance. Could I do this little bit better? Could I hang mm. that a little bit more? Is this um, my foot's falling asleep? So maybe, I, but sometimes you're just thinking then of logistical stuff, like my foot's falling asleep, or I really need water or whatever. But I think a really good performer is constant is constantly trying to think in that moment, are they, how am I sounding? Am I listening? Do I hear? Am I emoting? Do I feel the notion back from the, you're in the moment, but you, when you do it over and over again, yeah, you do often check out. I got to go to the grocery store. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I can't forget to pick up wine or milk. I mean, you do think that stuff, but I never get that sense from him for sure. Well, also they're writing their, you know, this, these are songs that they've written that are meaningful for them. But um, they've also performed them for like 30 years. I mean, that's, that's true. also bonkers. That's but true. When, they, when you said veteran, that's the other thing. They have been performing together for so long. They've been performing music since they were in their 20s. And that just experience, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It is exciting to see. The one thing I would say, it's not the same thing, but it's similar. I have certainly performed the same thing well, yeah, repeatedly. And um, you would think it would be boring, but it isn't because every every time you do it, the people you're doing it for, they're different, the day's different, the yep. arena's different. And so, and also, as you said, you are just picking up little things like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try this this time, or I'm going to do that. And it's interesting that you said that because one of the things that really struck me is I feel like Russell's voice somehow, again, how the fuck does he do it? His voice sounded better. It's almost like his voice got younger. <laughs> I don't, and, and when I say that, he sounded amazing they they all sounded incredible in los angeles um <clears throat> i did think to myself when i saw that the la dates were february 7th and 8th and then the tour itself started march 11th my instant thought was okay these guys are perfectionists they're gonna do their gigs in la that's a very friendly audience their hometown boys which it was everybody was which i all of their audiences are like that now but definitely in la there was a yay sparks la boys sort of yeah. <clears throat> attitude so it's a very friendly crowd to go do that too um then you can finish and you can take a month and say okay we like this we didn't like this because mm -hmm. they did cut um amateur, amateur hour and i have seen as the tour has gone on it, it I'm, amateur hour has come back and then it's gone off i i'm like guessing it has to do with times and maybe it's harder to sing or play i don't know it's a shame because i love it but hey yeah. you had to make a choice you made your choice fine i don't know what i would qu quit or quit cut if i were them i wouldn't cut anything i would add songs please. i think i would cut uh, under the table with her even though i love that mm -hmm. song i was really surprised by that choice from uh indiscreet I, I just was surprised by it but great it was wonderful it was a pleasure to watch again like that you know he, he's good at playing characters and that's an impish kind of character in that song i you know sorry go ahead oh what i was gonna say is like i ron Mael, obviously huge, huge following and fan base. And I have so much respect for him and I really enjoy watching him perform. But I do feel like sometimes we don't give Russell the cred and it just, he was the show. 
He really was. I mean, in many ways, obviously I have more thoughts about the lighting and all the cool like performance. And I definitely want to hear about some of your favorite moments as well. But um, boy, that guy was fucking amazing. I just can't. <laughs> I think they're both geniuses. I know, I know everybody thinks Ron is a genius and he is, obviously he is. But I actually think Russell is too. I mean, they have something so special because they are different clearly you know um to me one of the things i find amusing and endearing is that russell will always have some bright colors on him you know i i understand because if you look at the stage setup the entire band is in black yeah and they're ron kind of is all in black it. yeah and then Russell is in black and something bright. Now I get that because he's the lead singer. We want our eye to go to him, but I also do think that's Russell. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude wore a sequin suit for part of the eighties. You're right. And in in Los Angeles, he wore this. Uh, I think it was the first night. At the end of the show, he put on this blazer that was this very bright floral blazer and. I feel like that's just so them. Russell is extroverted in this way. You know, he he wants he wants to be seen in this way. I think they both do, but in very different ways. Ron is the man in black. He really likes to have that. Yeah. But they work so well together. It's such we are so lucky we are just as lucky as they are like i know that they feel very happy to be working together i'm sure they i mean like any set of siblings they have their moments i have no doubt but um they have such a a symbiotic relationship and and don't forget all of those songs that we love the process of how they do those songs run is writing those songs he said this is from what i understand <clears throat> he's writing those songs he's sending them to russell russell saying uh yeah that's a good one or no forget that one so he's very involved in the process as well it's not just ron and then yeah. yes what russell can do with his voice is incredible it has always been incredible but it is even more astounding for someone who's in his early 70s and not only that but as i said bouncing around that stage like nobody's yeah. business i mean who got a bigger workout at that show me or russell definitely <laughs> russell you know i think you mentioned the the stage the stage set up and 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 I, what i really loved about it is it was simple but yet visually very effective Yes. Um, you, so for folks who've seen the pictures, you've got the, the band on a, like kind of a riser platform in the back and, but they're fairly shadowed. They're all wearing black. And there were um, a number of times where uh, if they weren't playing their instrument, they would put the instrument down and they would actually stand with their hands behind their back as sort of like a parade rest or whatever. Um, and, and, like let the focus really be on the the spar you know the mile brothers and i thought it was really effective but what i also loved about that is they used a lot of washes of color with the lighting that the lighting was great yes. and i know that sounds like such a nerdy thing to love but it was just so well done they they used a lot of like solid color schemes and they did a lot of like 
flash, dark flash in sync with the music. And it was really effective. Like I felt very affected by the sounds and the visual that I was uh, seeing. Everybody except for the spotlight. <laughs> the poor spotlight oh. person was like, he's moving too much. I don't know where. He's bouncing. He's bouncing. What can he's I bouncing. do? Ah, that was actually also a really beautiful venue to see a show. Yeah. That's clearly, um, I'm not sure what that was used for in the past, but it had the vibe of one of those old cinemas because in the 1920s when um, a lot of cinemas went up, many of them had these really like elaborate uh, uh, ceilings where they had these starry ceilings yeah. and all of these weird motifs. There's actually in my hometown, there's a, it's now a theater, but it was um, a cinema for a really long time. And it's one of those beautiful old theaters, which clearly this was. So. It, it was a smallish venue. So although I would have loved to have been closer, uh, there still was really that intimate feeling. You really felt like you were a part of the show and that yeah. was just great. Yeah, it was, it's, so it's the Copernicus Center, which is actually like less than a mile from my house, which rocked. Um, and I was surprised because I always see like events at the Copernicus Center, but I didn't realize that the theater itself was so, so well done. It's like an 1800 seat arena. And I did, it's got a balcony section and I did really love that, um, you know, they acknowledge the balcony and <laughs> really try to get the house lights up so they could see the balcony. That was so, so wonderfully endearing. Um, so what were some of your favorite moments? Oh. Well, there is one thing I wanted to say about under the table with her. I, I see what you're saying about, hey, maybe I would get rid of that one. But again, I think this is the Sparks Brothers tour. So they're they're really hitting some of the songs oh, 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 that, that had moments in the Sparks Brothers documentary. One thing I thought was quite interesting about that, in Los Angeles, they had an actual cello uh, doing the string part. But in Chicago, Ron was doing it on his keyboard. And I actually love the way that sounded, quite frankly. That, that was, to me, too. quite interesting to, to hear the difference in the way it sounded. Yeah, the volume on his keyboards actually was quite high. And they really did feature feature his keyboard solos quite a bit. Um, because they also have, like, I think a keyboardist in the band. Yes. I think that guy was actually singing a lot of the higher falsetto parts. Mm. So, um, you know, all those high notes, I don't know that Russell was hitting all of them that because often they were in, they're in chords or parts, but I really thought that the way that um, the keyboardist voice is hitting the high notes and then Russell's voice hitting the next highest note blended really beautifully together to the point it was like, wait, who sang that high note? It was yeah. really, really well done. The band yeah. was great. It and we were saying before, like uh, this town ain't big enough for the both of us was the last song before the encore. Yes, and it sounded like the recording. It was incredible. I know. I know. Incredible. And did you know that they have sold this town um, to Apple for some iPad commercials? Did you know that? You mean not to us for our staged performance? Of well, I have a feeling that Apple paid them a bit more money <laughs> than to pay them um, at this time, at this time, you know, less than a year. It's funny because I'm actually really happy for them. Like, yeah. I feel like, yay, get oh, yeah. that oh, God. Go for and it. Selling a song to Apple is like, we know Fife. We know, I can't even remember who else. Like, that is one of the best highlighted 
whatever you know again i feel like that song is like their golden goose forever like it has (laughs) done so much for them it must just be amazing thinking about writing this one song probably in 1972 or 73 or even 71 or 70 and um that song still still propelling you forward in 2022 that is just phenomenal and that's why you should do art kids people say it doesn't pay but clearly it can and does um (laughs) you just have to you just have to work for 40 years you just have to work for 40 years hope (laughs) or perhaps die (laughs) do make (laughs) perhaps die do puppet show and sparks whatever it takes uh (laughs) get dropped by your label have them refuse to do videos for you eventually a friend um or or find out that um a director is a super fan of yours etc etc anyway but (laughs) i was thinking about the fact i feel really happy for them for that like get that apple money go for it yeah for oh god they deserve it but it's so funny because that's such a turnaround from the days when like a song would be sold and everyone would be like oh how dare you sell out like that but you know what fuck it we you know what they have to make money somehow and also they're very good it's kind of like i believe the beatles deserve all of their money for abbey road alone the sparks deserve whatever whatever amount of money they have double it triple it they deserve all of it because i kind of think i think maybe maybe this is just being a sparks fan i don't know i think one day people will truly like they will they will go down in history as one of the finest bands of all time whether they have that full cred now or later at least i hope so that's what i hope maybe that's the yeah me too you know i was thinking about this um so a couple of them the the one of the things that really struck me that i enjoyed as an audience member and also like looking at other audience members is that um you know i feel like people who really love their music have a very personal connection to different songs or things things that they find interesting in the songs in a way that other most other rock bands just don't quite I don't I think have that like analytical intellectual like drive to love the music and so when we were at the concert, I mean, there wasn't a lot of dancing. I wish there were more, but um, a lot of people were sitting, but there were points where I would look across, look, look around the audience and like, there would maybe be just one dude like, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And yes. I just thought like, <laughs> he must be thrilled. He loves his music, period, see him live. He's just so in the moment. That's probably a person who doesn't normally go, yeah, yeah. but they did. And like, I was saying to you when we, when we were on the way back, there was the couple in front of us and they did stand up and dance a little bit, but the gentleman was a little more reserved. And I think we were, I think it was this tiny big enough for the both of us. I don't remember what part, but there was a part where I watched him and there were two really heavy drum hits and he was just like, mm-hmm. and I just, I was like, I could tell he was just so in the moment. And so like, that was like one of his favorite things that he's probably already loved, always loved about the song. And he just was in the moment. And that is a really, ra- ladies and gentlemen, that's a rare thing. <laughs> and ladies and 
gentlemen. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. So I really love that. Um, what were some of you, again, what were some of your other favorite parts? You know, one thing that was interesting to me when I was in LA, probably because I didn't know what the set list would be. And then this time I had a pretty good idea of what would be on the set list. The 80 songs were the songs I was most excited about like honestly when they played tips for teens i have been more excited yes and i still like just love those songs and i i really love one thing i love that they did during i predict was they really kept us waiting they they really built the tension before they went and somebody's gonna die because to me that is certainly a very fun line to shout out um so those those were great again i had so much fun with them but i actually found that i enjoyed more of the stuff from the later catalog more this time probably because um in my sparks listening journey i finally listened to all of their albums so i had been listening more to some of their later albums whereas when i went to the shows in february i was still kind of more into the 80s album so i really enjoyed stravinsky's only hit i thought that was really good um well done. And actually Lawnmower, I enjoyed a lot. I did not like it very much when I saw it in LA because it's very, well, oh, what a surprise. A spark song is very repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, but because I had listened to it, I had listened to Steady Drip, Drip, Drip much more by the mm -hmm. time I saw the show. I, I enjoyed all of those later songs more. I have to say my number one favorite moment, once again, was music that you can dance to. You know, it's so funny to me. First of all, I'm definitely that demographic. I'm in the era. I was 13 in 1986 when that song came out. So it completely appeals to me. But um. I feel like it's too bad that got so much crap because it is really a banger. It is and a it did get banger. people up. <laughs> that was one that did get people up. They they yeah. got up and they were yeah, dancing. That sure. was something I noticed. This crowd danced a lot less than the Los Angeles crowd. I don't know if that was a Midwestern thing. I don't know if that was a Copernicus Center thing. I don't know if that was just a Saturday, March uh, 19th thing. It could have been anything, but um, that was one of the best moments in all the LA shows. It was, it was one of the best moments. I don't know. I think that song is just, it feels so joyful when I hear it. Um, maybe that's not how Ron Mail felt when he wrote it. Every note's where it ought to be. So fuck off, you know? Um, but uh, that was, that was just so, so much fun. I, yeah, I that was really fun. That. Like, woo. Um, I really, I, I, too, I feel that my outfit is very rhythm thief. Uh, oh, you know, Rhythm Thief was fantastic. I that was one of the memorable moments for me. Now, um, I just I was I remember in the the documentary, um, I think it was Fred Armistead who said, I think he said like watching all I do is dick around live is like a religious experience. It was home, but maybe it must have been home. Okay, correct so, us, fans. I think it was home, but go ahead and drop it in the comments or email us or whatever because of that like that that soulful repetition and i do feel like i felt like i felt that with rhythm thief I, that it has this wonderful like ebb and flow and 
you know, some people were kind of singing and dancing and were swaying in their seats. It was, yes. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, I think the moment that made me laugh the most was when Ron Mile does his dance bit. Um, oh, and it was just love the Ron dance. Really? I'm interested to talk about this for you, but what I okay. love, what I chuckled, made me chuckle was the, in, <laughs> in the audience, you could just see a sea of cell phones all like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The first word that came to my head was videotaping. I know they're not videotaping, but they were recording. It was just like a sea of like, you could just see a sea of cell phones. <laughs> well, as soon as the show started, you saw a lot of that. They must see yeah. that every, they must see that every single but night. Cell phone, cell phone, every, cell phone. See, I felt like I saw like everybody pulled out their phone when Ron was dancing. Like they get that on video yes yeah um what was i gonna say you know think about the fact that this man is 75 76 like he's not he's not 25 and he's doing a dance which i'm gonna say looks a bit intense you know that is some (laughs) high impact aerobics and he's got a big smile on his face when he's doing it like I know that's part of the thing, but he does actually look like he's genuinely enjoying it. Really? Too. I yeah, have I to think say, so. I, I I have a different feeling about it. I feel Tell like me. he's doing it because it's a bit that the audience loves, and um, I didn't. This kind of who knows? Like maybe I had to pee. Who knows what you know? Like you said, like it's also personal. I felt like um, that was a moment where I felt like I just felt like you had to have had this like. I gotta get up and do the bit now. People love it. And, you know, hey, that's okay. And with any other band, I probably wouldn't have even thought that other than these are such consummate, uh, consummate, whatever. I've had a lot of wine. Um, consummate professionals, I believe, is what you're looking for, <laughs> Amy. But, you know, there's just this like honest artists that any little like, I'm not in the moment. I'm not in the artistic moment. Is distract. It could be slightly distracting. But you know what? I don't think they'd do it if they didn't want to do it. That's what do they do that they don't want to do? I mean, I'm just saying. I I feel like they'd cut it if they didn't want to do it. What was that? How many of us can say that in about our lives? Well, again, take (laughs) forty, take forty plus years, and be just like stubborn-minded that you're gonna do this shit whether people like it or they don't. I will murder this whole audience. I will murder this whole audience. I'm just gonna say I've seen some up-close photos of him doing that dance. He looks genuinely like he's enjoying it. I hope so. so. But who knows? Ron, if you'd like to tell us, I live in (laughs) LA. After the show, after you're done on the tour, we can go down to Earth Cafe here in Santa Monica. We can go hit Farmer's Market. You can tell me in person. I'm ready. <laughs> um, not a joke. Uh, anyway. It was a wonderful pleasure. And Melanie, I'm so thrilled that you came came to Chicago to see it. I mean, you and I were the crazy one. Like, I remember watching the, I think we were watching the documentary and then watching some videos and we were like, <gasps> we got our tickets and so we bought the chicago tickets you did it you that was a magical day the day that was the day we came up with the idea for the podcast as well um that was a magical charmed day in my opinion yeah it was fun and you know my husband joe came with us he was sitting separately 
he was actually sitting a little closer than when he were he was and, sitting in uh, the husband section <laughs> he was sitting in the section of dudes going like this he was sitting in the dude but uh he you know again he's not as crazy of a sparks man as we are though he really does like sparks and he too said he was like you know it was like from a, just a performance standpoint it was really really cool to watch and to see and to to be in you know like it feel this involvement with the music it was really great i feel like i'm so happy that i discovered sparks as a as a band they've brought me so much joy um we've had so much fun discussing them it's such a pleasure to get to be able to see them do their craft online and yeah. and they you know that documentary inspired me hugely but they also inspire me hugely because they are still doing what they've been doing for a really long time and actually um there's a clip on youtube they were on the gilmore girls doing yeah, perfume. No. have yeah, you watched no. that clip yeah because i'm like like okay i'm a big gilmore girls fan and i know that amy Pal watched it Carmen Palladino yes was on she the was in the documentary that's right she's a huge sparks fan yeah um yeah but i've seen, I've seen the clip I'm like oh i remember that yes but um i love the clip to me i've i've watched it many times in fact i saw like it has like x number of views and i'm like yeah i'm like 65 of those views for sure like i'll just go to it randomly but you know they're just in this town square and ron's on the keyboard and russell's right next to him doing the you know doing Delivering his thing. it both in the moment in yes. the moment and i'm like that's what these guys have been doing for like four plus decades yeah. so they're still they're still doing that but they're also still growing which is why annette is so interesting because that's part of the growth and i feel like this is part of the inspiration they they have tried like it's such a triumph that annette was made and of course huge congratulations it got a lot of awards um they got a lot of caesars which is the french film award recently they, they got several um but you know they they early on in their career they tried to do something with jacques tati then jacques tati died um they wanted to do my the psychic girl that obviously didn't work although as i said i still think they want to do it i really do um because they never talk like it's totally dead that's all i'm gonna say like if you ever hear them talk Always about something it, in the works you'll, you will never hear them sound like it's never gonna happen they'll they'll admit it's in development hell yes but they don't sound like they're totally giving up on it and well, honestly that's how hollywood works things like that I think I read that that was like an eight-year project. That's, right. I know right. that some films do take that long, but boy, oh boy, oh boy. No, there is this thing called development hell where a, a film yeah. project just gets stuck and, and nothing ever happens with it. But they tried again. And I personally, I believe if you really want something in life, sometimes you have to do that. The things that mean the most to you, they might the director might die okay tim burton might decide to go do something else but you keep going and eventually you will make an amazing totally weird movie with adam driver and marion cotillard and a, and a wooden puppet and it'll be really good <laughs> so amen amen, uh, to that. Ching, ching. amen. uh cheers <laughs>
what I was going to say something else. Oh, another thing I really liked that I appreciated more this time. And I hope you don't mind that I've been comparing it to LA's shows, but I just no, can't no, no, help please. it. I want to hear, I want to hear what you think. Two things. One, I love Ron's uh, delivery on Shopping Mall of Love. I feel like I need to listen to that song more. I, I so like good. <laughs> so, so good. Oddly autistic and wonderful. Yep. And I really love him delivering the suburban homeboy lines. He's just so good with the deadpan. Uh, this morning I was in a suburban homeboy kind of mood. So I was that listening song is to awesome. it. And um, the audience really loved it. It was fun. Yes. Um, but I, I did actually think to myself, no offense, Russell. I thought to myself, gosh, I wish, I wish Ron was doing the lyrics on this. By the way, speaking of that, uh, Little Beethoven, we all know that's a great album. But when I got to Little Beethoven in my Sparks journey, I did, of course, appreciate it. But what I find about Little Beethoven is that it grows on you. You yeah. know, like, what, it's a grower. One of those songs, one of the songs you'd be like, yeah, this is uh, pretty good, actually. Rhythm Thief, I like it. Uh, I don't know about this one. But then, then suddenly, it, it, it starts yeah. to get under your skin. They have such hooks. I mean, that's the thing, yes. like... <sighs> Yeah, unex I think that sometimes unexpectedly I, I hear the tune and it just, it, it makes you want to listen. Oh, wait, what's that from again? Okay, I got to go listen to that again. Okay, I really like it now. Wait, I don't like, I do like it. I do. I yes. really like it. Yes, I've had that with, I mean, so today I was also listening to uh, Hear No Evil from Gratuitous Sax, which I oh, okay. love. I love that song. Um, but when I first started listening to gratuitous sex, I thought it was okay. And then when it was like, oh my God, wait a minute. I'm addicted to the song. I'm addicted to it. I, I do. And I actually, when I first started becoming obsessed with Sparks, I wrote this down and I, I still have this somewhere that like Sparks is like, I might've said this in one of our very first shows that Sparks is a little bit like stinging nettles in a good way. Like, do you know what a stinging nettle is? Okay. Like you'll brush up against it. And you think that's it, but then it starts, you start itching and you're just itching. Sparks, Sparks is like, it's like, a, it's like a stinging nettle, but in a good way. Like you brushed up against hair no evil and it's okay. But then you start thinking about it. And then you start thinking about it some more. And then you're like, oh my God, that song is great. Yeah. And I, I love that. So yeah. thanks. And also I still believe they might be time travelers. You know, I love that theory <laughs> because, you know, okay. So I've. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the next couple albums that we're going to talk about. And yes. <clears throat> I was saying to you that um, I've actually been kind of spending some time with Big Beat recently. Yes, yes. And <clears throat> a lot of people is, really like that album. It is a good album. That, and I can't remember that a couple afterwards, it's just what's interesting to me is that time travel aspect that you feel like you hear these nuggets, you hear these hooks. Or you hear these like instrumentations that could have been 15 years later or 30 years later or yes. of the time. And it, it's pretty cool. Oh, I, I still think like there is definitely a song on um, Sparks Half Nelson that when I hear it, I actually think that my music streaming has gone to a random and we've gone to the present. But no, nope, nope, it's from 1970. That's right. So uh, yes, my theory... <laughs> 
I, my theory is Sparks may be time travelers who've gone back in time and just seeded the timeline with all of their heads. Is it true? I don't know. Could it's be? a wibbly wobbly thing. Uh, well, I had a wonderful time with you. Me too. A wonderful show. It was a lovely day. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so what are we going to talk about next? I think uh, propaganda. Propaganda, baby. Can't wait. Can't wait. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll let you know if we go to Vilnius. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you everybody for listening. I hope you have a wonderful sparks infused day. Oh, oh, wait, one more thing. Um, So someone because uh, you know there's a lot of sparks fan art out there oh that was actually something i like that russell said that it's hard it's hard being a sparks fan sometimes just like it's hard being sparks sometimes. <laughs> but there's a lot of sparks fan out art there and someone did like saturday morning adventures with sparks and i was like oh my god i would watch the hell out of that show let me I, let me let me give you some uh episodes that we're gonna have um Sparks are in a bake-off contest with their famous um, creme caramel. Uh, Russell meets, a, a, you know, while they're on tour in Antwerp, cha- uh, Russell meets a charming tour guide. And unfortunately, she speaks one of the only languages Russell doesn't know. Um, Sparks uh, check into a hotel that turns out to be haunted by the ghost of Liberace and an amazing new collaboration is formed. I would watch the oh, heck out of that. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, it's that's so inspiring too. What, how fun. Yes. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank Yay. you. Bye.